All right, so we're on page 273, uh, making our way towards the second half of the 18th letter. So the first half, he's kind of going through what he says is the decline of, of Judaism and how things ended up the way they ended up and why all of a sudden in the 18th, 19th century, the majority of Yidden in Germany and France and England and then eventually creeps its way into Lita and uh, Russia, Poland, you know, uh, are getting affected by the Haskalah. Um, and so the basic idea is is that Yiddishkeit became like an empty shell. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that Rav Shach, he said literally the exact same thing about the Russian Jews, about the, the Lithuanian, Russian, Belarusian, you know, whatever you want to call the region. Every, every week it changed hands. But again, the same thing, the communism you know, rose in the beginning of the, uh, the 1900s. And he had Yidin, he says, yesterday they were davening next to you in shul, learning together, and the next day they're, 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 they're arresting you because they joined the, uh, whatever that group was, the, uh, the Jewish communist chevro. Uh, so whatever, he says, Yiddishkeit was this, you know, was this tree, beautiful tree, but, uh, you know, it, was, uh, it, was, it was, you know, wasn't nourishing, it wasn't vi- you know, vibrant, and uh, ultimately the roots died, and then uh, wind came and knocked it down, and it was over. So you think, oh, all of a sudden, one minute to the next, everyone's becoming a reform, but it uh, wasn't like that. It was actually a slow progression of, of, uh, of what he says, Mitzvah Sanashim Lumado. We were just practicing an outward Yiddishkeit without focusing on the inward, without developing the spirit of Yiddishkeit correctly. And, uh, and that's what happened. And, that's, uh, and so again, he's very, he's very sympathetic to reform. He says the reformers are, they're growing up. And it's like, you know, it's like if to them, they're like, what is this? What do we need this for? You know, it's like, uh, you know, like, you know, Lahavdo. I mean, look what happened in the American Jewry, right? Yeah, the Yidden that came here. You know, and yeah, the Yiddishkeit, yeah, okay. So they, they try to force their kids to do it. Like, what do I need it for? They look at their parents. They see, yeah, the parents are actually, you know, not that. refers to something fascinating. He says, Penseru uh, Meira, right, which, uh, which is, you know, the, the, the site of all chinuch, is, is the parish of Penseru Meira, right? Um, he says that the halacha is that if Penseru Meira only rises, has to be zel of a seve, right? He has to be drinking wine and eating meat. But the halacha is it's only if it's, um, if it's uh, if it's zayl of a seve, it's of shalrashos. If it's yain and bas of shalrashos. If let's say he eats non-kosher food, he's not a Venseru Meira. And like Lachari, that should be even worse, right? So he says, like he sees, he said, you see a parallel. He says, you see, you know, you know, Jews living in Germany, they'll do anything for their parents, right? You see, in America, this was very common. Right? They'll do anything for their parents. They love their parents, but if the parents tell them to be, you know, the thing that actually matters the most, you know, they don't, they ignore their parents, right? When it comes to, he says, what's the reason? He says, he says, because they see, they see what actually matters. A kid knows what actually is important to the parent. And yes, the parent is screaming, yes, you have to put on a yarmulke, you have to be kosher. But the kid chaps that the parent doesn't really care. Right? If the kid, parent says, don't eat meat, you know, you're misbehaving, no, the parent really cares. If the kid rebels, he's a ben sayru meira. When the, when the parents are sitting there talking about uh, Jewish things, the kid chaps the parent doesn't really care. You know what I mean? And the kid picks up on that. If your Yiddishkeit is superficial, if you're doing whatever you're doing, and then you know, you're just outwardly practicing, your kid picks up on that. And he's like, okay, what do I even need the outward for? What I, and, that's, and that's what happens. And you have an entire generation that was lost because uh, they had a Yiddishkeit that was lacking in spirit. And so we are on page 273. There is but one road that leads to salvation. Amends must be made precisely where the wrong was done. We must forget the views and prejudices that we inherited about Judaism and instead turn to the sources, turn to the sources of Yiddishkeit, the Tanakh, the Gemara, the Medrash. We must read, study, and comprehend them in order to live by them and to draw from them Judaism's view about God, the world, mankind, and Yisrael, seen in the light of its destiny and the law given to it, which is almost like a summary of the entire Sefer. We have to study it 
in order to live by it, this is Torah Lishma, right? You can't learn as an academic. You're learning just, you know, for the Pilpul Shabbat. You have to learn Amanas Lasseis. This is what Rav Hirsch says. Is this is what Torah Lishma is. Learning Torah in order to keep the Torah. We have to know what is our role as a Yid in this world. What's the purpose of humanity? What's the purpose of humans? What's the purpose of Klai Yisrael? And understand it from the perspective of the Torah itself. Look at what the Torah demands of us and now understand what our responsibility is. Thus, Judaism must be studied and understood out of itself. And that's, that's a very key point of the whole letter, right? So you can't take some outside idea of Yiddishkeit. You know, I was, I was telling the Elam before Purim, you know, that we're doing all these things about Purim. Like, Purim has in itself, right, the mitzvahs of the day contain everything you need in order to get out of the day. You know what I mean? Like, you do the Suda, Mashiach, you do it properly, you know, don't try to find some outside purpose and then, like, try to implant that into your thing. Then you end up with all these ridiculous parties or whatever. Try to, you know, look at the day itself. What's it about? Okay, we're ready for Purim, so we have to, it's ready for next year. But in other words, look at Yiddishkeit itself. Look what Yiddishkeit tells you to do. Look at what the demands are. And then from those demands, recognize what, 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 what Torah is. And be elevated all by itself to a science of wisdom. So let us begin with Tanakh. Okay, this is obviously, uh, they used to say that the yeshivas uh, nowadays are non-profit organizations, right? That we don't, uh, they don't learn Tanakh, right? Let's begin with Tanakh. First of all, come to know its language. And Hirsch mentioned this already in the second letter, that Lashon HaKadosh was featured very, very prominently uh, in Rav Hirsch's whole philosophy. He has an entire you know, section in his collected writings where he built Hashkafa of Yiddishkeit from Lashon HaKadosh. We see the way the Torah uses certain things for certain words. If you want to read a beautiful piece in Parshish Noach by the Migdal Bavel, again, he speaks about these things, right? the difference between uh, you know, German and Hashem Kaidish, the words that we use for certain, right? They're very, very important to know why the Torah uses certain words. Right? So understand Lashem Kaidish and elicit from the spirit of a language the spirit of its speaker. Right? Look, look at the way the Torah uses certain words. Right? The Torah uses the word uh, Melech. What is a Melech? Right? It's like a Lashem of like Nimlach. Right, a diet, shayfet. These are all right. Why did the Torah use? Right, we use the word, uh, you know, a, a nation. Right, the, the Volk, He talks about what's the a nation is like uh, someone that follows. Whereas in Klai Yisrael and Am, that's someone who's im. We're united because we're we have you know we're together. Right, the fact that the Torah uses certain words to describe certain things tells us about the way the Torah sees things. Tells us about the reality. Now again, we we grew up in America. We're speaking English. Lashon Kaidish is not natural to us. Lashon Kaidish doesn't exist much anymore. Even modern Ivrit, Rav Aaron Lapiansky says always from Moshe Shapiro that he says doesn't doesn't know how. I think I think this maybe I'm exaggerating. Doesn't know how an Israeli kid could stay from today. You know, he says, I can, because in, you know, in America, Safer is a Safer, and a book is a book, right? And in there, he says, oh, a Safer is a, Harry Potter is a Safer, just like Chashagarach is a Safer, right? And he says, like, he has a few examples, Chashmal. Chashmal is electric, right? Electricity is Chashmal. Chashmal is, is, is the, 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 the deepest soydis of Maisa Merkava, right? That the psukim they're not allowed to learn are Chashmal. That's the Ka'in Chashmal. So you're reading, an Israeli kid is reading about the Maisa Merkava, and he's picturing some electric vault, you know, shooting out because, you know, um, you know, uh, a mazel. Eh, good luck. Mazel, good luck. And mazel, the idea of mazel is something which is, which is uh, right, a deep idea of mazel. Mazel, what that means, you know, so uh, some say that, uh, you know, some accuse Ben Yehuda of doing this on purpose, right? Where he, uh, you know, he betafka took the words in order to, the Yiddishists used to do that. And, and the Yiddishists used to like, Take words, you know, like uh, they would like make a Yiddish version of it, like uh, like yomtif, right? Yomtif is a word, right? Yomto, yomtif. They were like, you know, take the words and like secularize things. All right, 
But Akopanim, Tanakh should not be read. So, no, so the first thing is Lush and Kaidish. Now, again, it's very difficult. What can I tell you? It's a difficult thing. But at the, my daughter is, has, has full, heavy dicta classes. She's learning it uh, in high school. But the boys don't. I mean, we have a, maybe a little bit of elementary schools. We, we learned it a little bit. But for the most part, it's neglected. And it's a hard thing to pick up. You have to have discipline and patience. It's not a very difficult language. But uh, to understand the nuance of the language, Rav Hirsch also goes to the next level. Right? His whole idea of Lashon HaKadosh and the way he understands roots and two-letter roots and words that sound similar, that come from the same part of your mouth. Right? Words that are ayin, hey, and alvav, these are words from your throat. They all are, you know, it's a complicated system. Right? So you don't need to go full Rav Hirsch to appreciate that Lashon HaKadosh is the genuine language of the Torah. And it's Kedai to, to kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know, uh, there's a book that Jacob Plaza saw, I recommended it to, to a few people. Um, his name is I mean, Markison, I think his name is. He has like two like workbooks going through Lashon HaKadosh. He has two of them, I think he plans on putting out another one. Just to pick up just basic ideas, you know, you read Rashi and Chumash about the, Poyel, Puel, Hifil, Hispa, right? Like, you know what he's talking about, right? Understanding basic, you know, Binyanim, basic, you know, words. It's, it's a, in Hirsch, it's very, very valuable. The Tanakh should not be read for the purposes of philological or antiquarian research. Fanciful theories or entertainment. Don't read Tanakh to know the history of the universe. Don't read it because you want to, you know, it's exciting, it's entertaining. It should be studied as the foundation of a new science. Let us look at nature as David Amalek did. Let us listen to the march of history with the intent ear of the prophet Yeshaya. And with eyes thus opened and ears thus attuned, let us draw from the Tanakh our lessons about Hashem, the world, mankind, Israel, and the Torah. Right, read Tanakh, try to get a perspective. What is, what is Klai Yisrael? What is history? What is the, what, you know, what, how did David Amalek look at the world? Tehillim is full of, you know, it's, it's almost seems like, eh, nature, this, Shemayim, 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 Ilana, what is David Amalek trying to say? Right, read it, you know, and try try to put yourself into their into their uh, into their place, right? So recognize, and so the two books that are of Hirsch, I think I'll say this first in a minute. Um, the two svarim that are of Hirsch held are like the most important for this idea is uh, Yeshaya and Tehillim. Right? These are the two, uh, right? And you'll get just a, a, a broad perspective, right? A broad perspective of, uh, of, of 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 what we are, what Klai Yisrael is, right? Then, having formulated this fundamental conception of Judaism, let's study Gemara in this spirit. Let's look at the halacha, right, as merely expanding the basic conceptions from Tanakh, right? Halacha is not something separate. Halacha is a fulfillment of what the Tanakh tells us, of what is Klai the role of Klai in this world, right? How is that actually brought out in practice? Let's read the Shulchan Aruch, let's read halacha, let's read Gemara and see that play out. Let's look at the Nazir. What is a Nazir, right? It's like, oh, let me set this Nazir now. It's like, what's the Spending 60 pages about this. Mamish, a little parish in the Torah of Nazir. Right? But read it and, and, and understand that this is somehow a fulfillment of this idea of what Klai Yisrael is. Let's see in the Agada merely the expression of the same spirit disguised in allegorical form. What is Agada? Agada Gemara is Medrash. Right? This is the spirit of the law just uh, in, in different terms. Do not be concerned about the opinion that one school of thought or the other may hold regarding the studies. Do not be concerned that in following your simple approach, you will no longer be able to excel among the heroes of disputations devoted to hair splitting rather than truth and life. Right? Don't be concerned that if you can actually learn Tanakh, that somehow you won't get into brisk. Right? You might not get into brisk, but you know something, you'll have something else. Again, this is, uh, this is Rav Hirsch's, uh, this is his idea. Do not be concerned if you will no longer be able to shine in the various branches of learning, which you will now be studying merely as ace to your primary sources, right? Now you're not going to be able to be a great scientist because uh, you're not spending uh, you know, 18 hours a day studying physics, right? right? Now those things, the physics, the sciences, the arts, those things are going to be agav, right? They're going to be you know, aids to your primary pursuits. And if you'll be unable to put on a beginning displays of scholarship, don't worry about that. After all, you're discovering the way to the light of truth, to the warmth and heights of life. 
And once you have arrived there, you will understand Yisrael's destiny and its teachings and will comprehend life itself as the reflection of these teachings totally permeated by the Spirit. Your entire life will be infused with what the Rebbe Shalom wants, with the Rats and Hashem. One Spirit pervades everything, from the structure of the language to the actions that structure our lives. One Spirit infused by the Spirit of the One alone. Right? All of Torah, it's not separate little things. It's not that Tanakh, if you're a Tanakh guy, you're not an Orthodox, if you're this, you're this. It's all one and the same. Right? Don't, you can't separate things. You can't make this philosophy and there's this, right? You know, nowadays, Ramayana also talks about, you know, Churban. Part of the idea of Galos of Churban is that we're very fragmented, right? The idea of the Bala Shkailis doesn't exist. Where a person is a Tamil Chacham and he's a Paisik and he's a Balmusser and he's a Bayer Shemayim, right? You don't have such a thing nowadays, right? Nowadays, he's the Mashkiach and these guys, the, the Tamil Chacham, he's the Paisik, he's the Darshan, right? <coughs> But again, you know, that's okay. You want to talk about uh, who's speaking at the Gunda Convention. You know, that's a different story. But that every person could be infused with that one spirit of Yiddishkeit. All one idea, right? It's all one and the same. There's no, you know, because again, you learn Tanakh. It's like, okay, Tanakh. And then you want to learn Gemara. And the two things seem like completely different religions, right? One of them is nice stories and nevuas about this and that. And then one of them is like sitting here and handling, what's the Allah if you take your haircut after the Shlom and So it's like, Right? No, but it's all one and the same. How? All right, you got to do the work. This is an introduction to the work. All right, you run a Rechayrev, you read a Hirsch's Pirish and Chumash, the collected writings, you get the full picture. Right? But, uh, but that's the idea. There's no, it's all, Yiddishkeit is one. Hashem is one, Yiddishkeit is one, and it's all part of this one idea. And it's all, it's all connected. Right? One of the things that attracts a lot of people to Rav Hirsch is Mamish, this idea, how everything is just connected and consistent. You don't have, there are not a lot of people that, that wrote on Chumash that have on halacha, that have, a, and it, it, he writes on the chaydish, on every yamtif. In other words, right, I, I, always, I always joke, I said, you could you give me one, give me any aside in Yiddishkeit, any idea, Musr, Hashkafa, Hasidus, whatever it is, and I'll find you someone that says that that's what Purim's all about, right? It's like, you know, there's a tefillah, it's like a tefillah's a big one, a staka, right? And it's about this, it's about Torah, it's about the Taivas, it's about this thing. Uh, the Gemara says, Haman knew how to speak Lashon Hara the best, it's about Lashon Hara, right? Anything you want, we can find someone that says that that's what Purim and probably Hanukkah, right? And in, and in one way, it's not wrong, right? Because everything's always connected. Uh, Zev Dunner, he, I used to work for Project Seed. I don't know what he, what he does now. He told me he was once, he got into an exclusive share for Moshe Shapiro. And so they went around the room and uh, before the share, and everyone asked a question on anything they wanted. Literally any question, halacha, gemara, hashkafa, any question that you had, they asked for Moshe. Well, I know a bunch of people, they all asked their questions, and Moshe stuck on the spot. He gave a shear, one shtickle taira, and he answered everything, right? I, I saw Reb Shalom Kamenetsky do the same thing. Um, it wasn't as impressive, because it was like, it was, it was getting into like Bali Chuva. The, the questions were kind of all kind of the same-ish, so like it wasn't like that. Uh, but it was impressive, because there were some random questions that he tied in. And like, so, so Zavdana said, he went over to one of the Tamidians, he was like, wow, he's brilliant. The guy's like, you idiot, you're missing the whole point, right? He's not trying to show how brilliant he is. He's a big pilpul. He's trying to show that it's all connected, right? That's exactly the point, right? So yes, everything is everything, and that's wonderful, right? But Rav Hirsch has this way of just being systematic and, and showing how, you know, this is what Hanukkah is, this is Purim, this is Pesach, this is Shavuos, it's, right? And, you know, when you're reading a Vard here, a Vard there, and you're listening to a Jirashi here, it kind of gets blurred. Rav Hirsch, when he talks about the, the Malachas HaMishkan, so he... This is what gold is. This is what gold represents. This is what silver. This is what copper. This is what wool, blue, purple. And then he goes to all the kalim and all the begadim and shows how it all consistent. A shar is this. An isle is this. A keves is this. Zam, dam, zrika, this, that. And now every carbon is all consistent, right? And so that's really, that's, you know, that's, that's the greatest joy. Tarah to Mima, Meshivas, Nafesh. Tarah 
is, is what's mishivas nafesh. It just keeps a person content because it answers up those theories and everything is kind of, you know, it's again, it's a journey and it's a struggle and we're not saying that you're just going to be able to sit and relax all day. But, you know, having, recognizing that it's, you know, Torah, it's all the same. It all comes from the same, it's all coming from Hashem Echad, it's all coming from one Hashem and so everything is consistent in every aspect of our lives and every aspect of the Torah. Right? It's not, there's not different things. There's not halacha and agada and tanach. And, and it's, all, it's all Torah and it's all part of the, it's all came from the one Hashem and it's all, you know, uh, it's all, uh, you know, headed towards one place. The first says by tefillin, right? Tefillin, shalraish is divided up into four, four compartments, right? The four parts are four compartments. And the shalyad, it's on one piece of parchment in one, uh, right? In one compartment. He says, because again, you have these ideas in your mind, different ideas, and in your brain, they're separate, right? In the brain, you compartmentalize things, right? But when it comes to action, you're not like, you know, you're all, you're just, it's, it's a whole yid. It's a complete, it's a complete yid who's, uh, and it's a, it's a very, very, uh, okay. Here's a worthy subject for the, disip- for the disciples of scholarly study. But the result of such study must be carried over into life and planted by schools. Schools for Jews. Right, you know, we, we would talk about how in America all the Yidden went off to Derech until they realized that they have to start schools. I first realized that in the 1820s, 1830s. You got to start schools. This was the first, was the first one, 100%. Started a, a, official elementary schools, right? Okay, his project got a lot of hurdles, a lot of legal hurdles, and ultimately, I don't know if it was as successful as he wanted to be. It was very different than he envisioned. They ended up learning a lot more secular studies than, than, Judaism, than Yiddishkeit. Baruch Hashem, nowadays we fix that. But the young saplings of our people must be reared as Jews as sons and daughters of Judaism, which you have now recognized and understood, and you have understood to respect and love as the essence of your life. Girls' education, Hirsch is very, the Germans are very innovative in girls' education, right? The Yavne, the Litvaks, they kind of learned from them, and then uh, eventually Sarah Schneer, she was inspired by the, by the German Rabbanim, right? That was her famous thing. She heard the speech during the, in Vienna when she ran away during World War I, and, uh, and in Sarah Schneer, what they teach in Beis Yaakov? They taught Hirsch, that's what they taught, right? The idea of you have to educate the children, Right? There, was a, there was a time in Klai where you can be home and you'll absorb everything from the house. You go to the Malamed and you're part of a Jewish life. But we're the, you know, the world has opened up in front of us. We have to schools, 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 schools. They should master the language of Tanakh just as they do that of their country and should be taught to think in both tongues. Their hearts should be trained to feel, their minds to think. The books of Tanakh should become the source of their instructions for life and they should learn to hear the message throughout their lives. Their eyes should be open to see the world surrounding them as God's world and themselves as God's servant in this world. Their ears should be open to perceive history as a process of educating all mankind towards the service of God. Look at history from the perspective of, of, of what it means for you today. Right? And this is, by the way, you know, Rizal Salanter, Musa, Rizal Salanter was very, very inspired from the 19 letters. He wanted to translate it into other languages. If first, you know, they met, they met. You can read the Hakdama here. He talks about it. But uh, this was a big part of Rizal Salanter's Musa. And it's very interesting. Musa, what is Musa? We talk about Rizal Salanter was the, was the father of Musa. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, Masil Sisharim was written many years before Rabbi Salanter. These are all the, the Svarim of Musar. I mean, what, what did Rabbi Salanter come up? What was his innovation? All right, there was a few very important innovations, but one of the innovations that he came up with is, is you know, the way Musar used to work back then was, was the Magid system, right? You had the Magid. You had a guy who was a good speaker, charismatic. He may have been a Talmud Chacham, he may not have been a Talmud Chacham, he may have a Yerushalayim, he may not. 
He was a good speaker, and this was his profession. He would go around from town to town, and he would put up a sign on the shul, the Magah's going to speak, people paid him, and he gave a drasha. Right? That's, that's, that's what Musa was. That's what, that was the year of Shemayim back then. And Baruch Hashem, in 2023, we've gone right back to the Magad system, where we have speakers, yes, no, who knows, the background, and they even Torah anytime, we've got all the Magidim on Torah anytime. Some of them are, they yeah, had some Hashim ones, right? The Dominum Magid, right? The, 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 a lot of the early Hasidic Rebbes were Magidim. The, the, the Magadim is rich, the Covenant of Magad, right? These were Magidim, that's what a Magad was, right? But the Rebbe Sosan said, okay, very good, you hear a Drasha, for 30 seconds, maybe you'll be in a spell, and then you move on with your life. Right, the idea of of, of Rizal's whole idea was taking Musa and making it personal and real, and he did that through Musa Starim. He wanted to open up these base Musars, but also Rabbi Sosanta wrote about seeing Musa in your life. In other words, looking around and being able to take Musa out of your daily life. You see things in your life, and you take a Musa from it. Right, Rabbi Sosanta, the famous uh, right, was that Rabbi Sosanta or was that was the uh, the with the light, with the candle burning, the tailor? Who's that story with? Right, when he brought his suit to the table, it was very late. He wanted to know, are you still working? He said, as long as the, as the candle's burning, I'm going to work. Right? I can still fix the clothing. I can still mend the clothing. Right? As long as, so he said, ah, right? as long as, uh, right? and, and uh, the altar, right? the altar when, he was, uh, when he was leaving to Hebron and the Bachim were chasing him on the train, and then the conductor stopped them. He said, oh, you have to stop, you know, can't run. And then this altar yells out in Yiddish. He says, oh, he said, we, they, they want to learn, but the, you know, the island wants to learn, but they don't let. You know, like, uh, it's a horror. You know, seeing, seeing stories in your own life and taking Musa from them. And this is like, if Arnold Biansky, like, he'll, he'll say over things. It's like, you know, interactions that he had with people, conversations, things that he witnessed. So like, I also witnessed, I'm sure, in my life and completely go over my head, right? You the idea of, of having an open mind and heart to life. And taking lessons from life and being inspired from life and, and history. Right? This, is all, uh, this is all part of it. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to be a kind of person. Uh, we learned by Naiseh now, um, uh, the 48 ways to wisdom. You know, the Memches Kenyan and Bremreich Weimar. This was like the foundation of Esha Torah was the 48 ways to wisdom. If you read the biography of Bremreich Weimar, this is how like, he was Makar of Hafekla Yisrael, was with this four, the Memches Kenyan. And he turned them into like, not just ways to learn, but like just foundations of life. You know? And this is, uh, he writes about this in a lot of different places. Just, just being open to thinking and experiencing things and taking lessons from things, not just walking through life. Right? This is the idea of like, uh, you know, of, of, uh, of solitude, right? This is the, you know, we're the first generation in human history that can go through an entire year without having a moment of solitude, right? Solitude means just a moment where you're not having someone else, you know, injecting something into your head, right? It's, 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 because of our phones, because of the way we are, it, it doesn't exist. At Baruch Hashem, I, I read the, yesterday in the news that Major League Baseball now allows advertisements on the sleeves of the baseball players, right? We found another spot where, right, there, was, there were public schools that, had, like, that were selling advertising space on report cards, you know what I mean? Like, wherever you are, you're getting information injected into you from a million different sources, right? And of course, you're on your phone. The idea of just being solitude and being able to contemplate things, I mean, it's, it's an art. It requires, it's an art, it's a chachma. Like I say that we challenge guys, don't bring your phone into the bathroom. Just like at least for a few minutes a day, however long you're in there, you have solitude. Practice being bored. So it's an important, it's an important skill to learn to be bored. When you're online in the store, don't take out your phone. Practice just, your brain requires constant stimuli. Right? Practice being bored for a few minutes. Your podcast and it's a sheer and it's a safe fair. Try to just be bored for a few minutes. It's an important skill to learn how to do. And that's how you, what? What are you doing? 
Take a walk by himself. Take it? Oh, that's for sure. Spider, this is, is absolutely just taking a walk. Yeah, even, uh, yeah, 100%. That's, that's already a high level to be able to take a walk. But just the idea of being able, right? Your heart should be trained to feel. You need to train your heart to feel. It doesn't happen automatically. Their minds to think. You have to train your mind to think. Right? Tanakh should become the source of their instruction for life, and they should learn to hear their message throughout their lives. Their eyes should be open to see the world around them. Okay, then they should have taught by means of the Torah and Talmud to see their lives as totally inspired service of Hashem, to be understood, respected, and loved so that they will rejoice to bear the name Jew and to follow the way of life that this name brings with it despite all ridicule and privations. Right? That you're a Jew, you're a proud Jew, you're not apologizing for it, and, uh, the, and, and, and you're a person who's, uh, who, who represents a nation which is, uh, which, is, which is doing the most important thing in the world. The preparations for breadwinning should be included in the program of such schooling for life, just as breadwinning itself will later on become a part of life. Right? In other words, this is skills, okay? This is vocational. Again, this is obviously something which our yeshivas didn't really adopt. I mean, uh, high schools do have secular studies. But in other words, right, this is a chiv on a father to teach his son Tamat It's also to teach him an umnis. Why? Because you're going to be going out to work, okay? If, if you hold that you shouldn't go out to work, then you're not going to teach going out to work. And again, this is a discussion of how much should the schools do versus the parents. Okay, that's, that's, that's a different discussion. But again, because, uh, because uh, you're going to be going out into the world, you need to be trained in that, right? As a means to full life, not as an end in itself. You have to be trained to show that work isn't the purpose. Right? Maybe, you know, we're not, uh, work doesn't come into our discussion, so as long as you're in yeshiva, you're full-fledged learning, and your goal is to become Rabbi Kivager. But when you leave and you no longer have that, well, now your goal is to become a multimillionaire. Uh, that's the problem, right? The idea that you should recognize work as just being a means to an end is not really part of our education. Let the pupils be taught to judge the value of a life, not by the social status, wealth, or splendor achieved, but according to whether it is a life given Inner content by dedication to the service of Hashem, right? When you choose a career, when you choose a job, the hours, the type of career you're doing, right? It has to be, is this going to be something which will, which will, will be part of my Avayas Hashem? Let them understand that the demands of such dedication should not be subordinate to the pull of sensual pleasure and natural indolence, but that the reverse should be the case, right? That let every pleasure be a means to an end to actually uh, keeping the Torah. So again, this is an education plan, and again, they tried to build this in Frankfurt, and again, with the tremendous success, but uh, ultimately, uh, there were, like I said, issues. The government, you know, made demands on them, that they, uh, but the idea of, of, of infusing, which again, it's hard to know if, if we, uh, do we do this, you know, these days? We, we have a different uh, system, I don't know, but uh, the idea of infusing um, our children with the spirit of the Tanakh, the spirit of what it means to be a Yid, what is the role of a Yid in this world, what's the purpose of creation, what's the purpose of humans, and what's the purpose of Klai Yisrael, and how everything in our life is all geared towards that one purpose, and everything that we're going to be coming into. Refers writes about, you know, the mother who keeps the kid that the kid's going to get sick, and so keeps the kid holed up in the house under 10 layers of clothing, and mom is, you know, and the kid eventually gets older and leaves the house, and he gets pneumonia and dies, because his body had no resistance, right? If you have no, if you're not prepared for the things that you're going to be, right? Tyra speaks to all these things. Right? Torah speaks to everything that you'll come up with in life. The Torah has what to say about it. And the Torah tells us the guidelines within which we live and the way to live it to the fullest. But, uh, but we, have to, we have to train our, our youth. So again, today's yeshivas don't. Maybe it's unto the parents. Or again, you know, Rav Lapiansky and Ben Torah spoke about the importance of yeshiva being full Shevet Levi, full Torah. But there has to be a certain point where we realize that when you know, we're transitioning now, and, uh, and it requires an education, which uh, you have to get. So again, uh, this is again, this is the, the, the introduction, and there's a lot uh, we have to do on our own now. It's an obligation. Start learning Lashem Kaidish, We have to start learning Tanakh. We have to start uh, looking at the world differently, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to. Okay, we got a, a little bit more to this letter. <laughs> hey, what's up, Sylvie?